Good morning. How are you guys doing today? What an amazing day so far. I love it here at Journey. I love the excitement we get about seeing life change, right? And baptism is such an amazing time, but worship is just the same, right? We get to come and worship the one God. We get to come and worship the one God. Today, we're continuing our series and stages, right? Pastor Brandon shared the first week uh, about how to get rid of our past. Uh, and then and then the second week, uh, Pastor Tony just last week uh, shared about what students need, the encouragement with the discipline. Today we're actually going to talk about what a child needs. But before we hop into that, before we hop into that, I actually kind of want to introduce myself. I am Nate Holder. I'm the family pastor here. Uh, if you haven't met me before, it probably means that you haven't had a sixth grader and below. Uh, I usually spend most of my time just a few feet away, uh, uh, right through those doors in our Journey Kids area. Uh, and so I get to spend a ton of time with kids each and every week. It is an exciting, exciting thing for me. I am married uh, to a, a beautiful woman. Her name is Tabitha, and we have one son, uh, and his and his name is Ethan. And and I think we got a picture there. They are uh, of right, right. Woo! Thank you. Um, if you haven't heard him or met him, he's probably usually running down the hallway at full pace while I try to catch up. Uh, he is. He'll be four in mid-August coming up. So he is so excited. Uh, but uh, today is actually a special day in, in in our lives. It is our 12th anniversary. We've been married for 12 years. Give it up for that. Uh, uh, it has. It has. Um, it's been an amazing 12 years. We've had an amazing uh, journey uh, together, but also uh, in parenting. Uh, it has been a special time for us. We have gone through many different moments and many different times. If you uh, uh, take a minute sometime just to talk together. Uh, but really, frankly, I don't think there's a normal parenting journey, right? That if you've been a parent for any length of time, you understand that all of these journeys are a little bit different, right? No matter how many kids or not kids or whatever is going on, uh, uh, each and every one of them is a little different. Uh, and then my, my uh, something else I want to know is each and every week, uh, I get to work with an amazing group of volunteers uh, uh, that, that do an outstanding job. Uh, they have so many cool different uh, things that they do throughout the week. Uh, they are uh, retired uh, firefighters and police officers and teachers. Uh, we even have a retired Navy diver, right? It is a diverse group of people, and, and it is so neat because they come together for one passion, to help lead and train families, to help lead families so that they can grow. All right. So that they can grow and so that they can move forward with it. Um, but but I I want you to understand that they have centralized on that fact. And if you want to join that, if you want to be a part of that, I would love to talk to you. I would love to uh, uh, allow you the opportunity. And, and, and I don't mean that silly. I really mean that to allow the opportunity to serve alongside this group uh, and to uh, serve our families here at Journey. So let's pray and let's hop into this. All right. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for giving us a time together for bringing us together, whether it be online or whether it be in person, to hear your word. Let the words that uh, come uh, from uh, these moments together be from your, from, from your heart, from your thoughts. As we share your truth together, uh, let it be uh, known that you are our focus today, that you are the one that we are reaching, that you are the one that we, that, that we are striving to be more like. In your precious name I pray today. Amen. All right, so today, today 
is the continuation of something that's really quite worldwide. It started last Friday, even last Wednesday, the Olympics, right? The Olympics are on TV. I don't know if you've seen them. Maybe you're exhausted watching them live, all right? Watching them live or you're staying up late, seeing all the cool events. It's amazing. We learn brand new terms. And, and if you watch the Friday night in primetime, you maybe have learned about some new countries, right? You're like, oh, I didn't know that was a country. That's interesting, right? A little bit of geography. But it's an exciting time to watch because... It's so neat how much effort, right? How much, how much time, how much, how much things have to come together for that to happen. And, and, and this year is no different, but it feels more, right? It feels more. Uh, but each Olympian has a few traits that they, that they really center on. Of course, there is talent, obviously, but, but the two other sides, the, these two big things, right? They, they usually have sold-out determination, right? Sold-out determination. And they also have an amazing support system. Today, we are going to talk a little bit more about that. We're going to talk about how that works, uh, and it, it really connects up to families. And one object that, that came out why, why, why your eyes were closed and your head were down, it's just magic, all right, is the hurdle, all right? So if you've never seen one like this, this is the practice hurdle, all right? If I touch it just very gently, it will fall apart. So, but... It is to help practice, and it, and it changes different sizes. We're going to see hurdles this week as we watch the Olympics. But I also picture the idea the same as parenting and leading our families, leading anyone really, is to help them overcome their hurdles, right? Physically, obviously, but, but so much more spiritually, mentally, right? All those things in a bit. Now, if you might be saying to yourself right now, great, I don't have kids, Nate. This, you might be trying to find an exit rather quickly at this moment. Uh, please, please stick with me because I'm actually going to talk in the way that is more about leading someone around you. Leading someone around you. We all are called to lead. We all are called to invest in others. We all are called to see those around us as something for us to invest in, as something for us to lead. So if you have no children, even if you're not a coach or a teacher, uh, this is not just for parents. But it will be the illustration and the picture we picture, okay? All right, so, so stick with me. Hang out for a minute, okay? So let's start here. What a child needs. What a child needs, the verse that quickly often comes to mind is this one. Uh, it is Proverbs 22, 6, right? Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. This, this is a classic verse. This is a fantastic verse. But frankly, I have felt that it has sometimes done damage sometimes done damage when, in, when improperly viewed, when improperly put together. This truth has caused people to hurt and pain, saying, I messed up, I failed, right? Well, today we're going to unpack that a little bit more, and we're going to see that God has truth in this, that truth will help balance this a little bit more, right? So as we tackle that easily, right, as we tackle that into what a hurdle might look like, it really comes down to training, right? That training often has to produce something they have to practice something that's the what of what they're doing but most of the time training comes along with somebody right a coach training comes along with who's there to help you who sees those things who who knows those things about you and says hey hey you might want to try it here a little bit you might want to try it there a little bit right we lead with those well the first thing out the first thing out that olympians often say right when they get done they have that interview Right. And they say this. They say this words. Right. They go, man, I couldn't have made it. Thank you so much. I couldn't have made it without the support of whoever they say. Right. Right. If the switcher's really good, they go to the hometown shot. 
right, where they're all in the gym hooping and hollering, like, but two seconds delay. I was of that moment where they're all staring at the TV. And they're like, whoa, you know, right? All right. But it is so uh, interesting because that whole support system, they draw strength from that. They don't say, thank you for these legs that made me run fast. Thank you for these arms that helped me lift. They say, thank you for my support system. Thank you for those that believed in me, that gave me a chance, right? That leads us to being what a child needs first from us, and that is a good leader. A good leader. Your child needs a good leader. The people around you need a good leader. Now, that makes sense, right? Um, and if you look it up online, there's beautiful characteristics, probably thousands of characteristics of a good leader, right? I mean, you may be having come to your mind. I found a short list. I'm going to read them just real fast, so stick with me, all right? A good leader is a problem solver. They're supportive. They're inspirational. They're honest. They're creative. They're reflective. They're decisive. They're passionate. And they're highly committed. We are not necessarily going to add to that list today. We might touch on a few of them, but what I'm hoping to honestly unpack is not more character traits. What I'm hoping to unpack is what causes those to happen. Right? What causes them to happen? And the first one out, first one out is this. A good follower makes a better leader. A good follower makes a better leader. One big thing we have to understand as a leader is there's always being led by someone, right? The phrase goes, everyone's got a boss, right? Everyone's got a boss that has a boss that has a boss and just kind of keeps going up, right? And, and if you, when you get to the top, they usually say something like, well, I got what, the board of directors, or I got my shareholders, right? Right? They have, they have somebody coming up. It's the same thing spiritually. We are a child of God. We're a child of God. Now, it usually means, man, what an amazing, what an amazing uh, inheritance we get being a child of God, right? But we often don't turn that into saying also, what an amazing leader I have. We must be led by the Father. When we picture ourselves more like a follower and less like the person in charge, things start coming into focus. Things start making more sense. We become a better leader because we're a better follower first and foremost. But when things get out of order, that's when things start messing up. When we start centering on the wrong things, especially outside forces or even kids, uh, it, it kind of comes to light rather quickly some, some, some truths that I've learned, okay? All right, all right so... One, kids make bad friends, all right? Kids make bad friends. If you've ever spent enough time around kids, they want what they want. They do not want what's best for you, right? You come home, they go, Dad, looks like it's been a tough day. Are you okay? No. My three-year-old says, applesauce pouch, right? Applesauce pouch. He needs what he wants, right? They don't make good friends. They don't make good friends. The second one is they don't make good replacement for spouses, Right? A good spouse has stood with you and said, I promise to uphold, to cherish, to honor in sickness and in health. They've dedicated to be your support system. Kids didn't do that. Kids didn't choose to support you wholly. Kids didn't choose to love you in sickness and in health. Frankly, they don't care if you're sick. Right? Right? They care if they're sick. Right? right? Oh, mommy's sick. I mean, they might be caring. Absolutely. Absolutely, but they are not in it for you. They also make bad gods. If we put them, if we say, man, man, I, you know, I want them to be happy. That's okay. Good leadership looks to help those that they lead. But it's what they want is the most important, 
we've messed it up. We've put them in a place they shouldn't be. They haven't earned that, right? They haven't earned that in any way. When we get that out of order, things start crumbling. First, kids can't take that. That's too much for them. They will crumble under that weight if you put them at first and foremost. Second, their needs are far greater than what you can give sometimes, right? They are not giving back to you. They don't fill you. You fill them. That's how it goes, right? So when we put things in proper order, when we say, I am following God, and from that, my relationship gives to the rest, right? God is first. Then my relationship to the one that is dedicated to refine me, to help me, to put me in the right place, my spouse, my partner. Then my kids, things start working out because kids know who and what is the most important and they can handle that they can put that into focus right then it's work and hobbies and all the other things that shout at us right just because something's louder does not mean it's more important let me hear that again i have a three-year-old just because something is louder does not mean it's most important right just because he wants to go to the swimming pool does not mean that's what we're doing today right Just because he wants to wear those shoes does not mean that's what we're doing today, right? Sometimes he is loud and urgent. I have to be a good leader, drawing from the Father to say, I know what you need, and I am here to help you, all right? But the second part of being a good leader is knowing the person must grow themselves. Now, this is a future idea, especially when you're in the throes like I am in preschool life. Okay, we are building to this, but we must prepare them. We must grow ourselves. We must put those things in. They need more or they need you more than you need them is the way this order should go. And, and, and I know I have a deep love for my child, but they need more of me than I need of them. The person must grow themselves. We are a support system. We are not the athlete. All right. Uh, We could talk about it for a minute longer, but if you fully believe, you will move from being a future stumbling block, right, to actually being a coach. We cannot compete for them. When this comes to spiritual matters or a relationship with God, there is no way that your relationship with God is deep enough and strong enough to make them have a relationship with God. You cannot give them your relationship with God. I wish we could, but we can't. But also hear this, though. Their relationship with God when they are growing will be no deeper than your relationship with God. If you want your child to have a deep relationship with God, you must have a deep relationship with God. If they're to grow past you and and become more the people that follow you, you must grow past and become more. Right? You must grow so that they can grow themselves. The key aspect to this as a good leader is also... We need to be not just a good leader. Oh, excuse me. Thank you. We need to be not just a good leader, but a good man, or not a good manager. Stick with me, all right? Not a good manager. The difference between being a leader and a manager is focus. Managers are about accomplishing the task. Leaders are about helping reach the goals, right? Helping reach the goals, especially when it comes to the people around us. Now, we have a great example Hebrews 12, 2 tells us this. Now, a big long list, if, if, if it was up here, like a big long list, okay? Our big long list is all of these amazing witnesses 
coming into this. Moses and Abraham, people that changed the world and the landscape because they believed in God. And then it gets to this, looking to Jesus, the perfecter, the founder and perfecter of our faith. He ran a perfect race. He is a great example for us to follow. We're going to talk a little bit more about this down here, but he is the perfect, the perfecter. I tell the kids downstairs, if I was painting something and I was painting it for you and you came and you said, it's perfect, should I keep painting? No, it's done, right? It's finished. I have ran perfectly. We have to look at it like that. We have to understand it. In fact, Pastor Tony shared just last week an amazing group of verses talking about encouragement and discipline when we talked about the disciples after the crucifixion. And he is eating with them at breakfast. And he looks at Peter, the one that he changed his name to be Rock. I'm going to build my church upon you. He looked at Peter and he reminded him of the truth that happened. God or Jesus said, you will deny me three times. And it did. It happened. That was the truth. But then he said, feed my sheep. Jesus went from being, let me remind you of your mistake and your mess up. And then let me encourage you to get back up. If I was teaching someone to jump over this hurdle, one step we would definitely take along the way is to get up, right? After you get knocked down, you are going to hit this thing, right? Even if it's not the first time, eventually you're going to eventually hit this thing. It's actually made to be hit, all right? It's made to knock over so it doesn't hurt somebody when they're running, right? You are eventually going to hit trying to learn. Our job is not to do it for them or to take their place. Our job is to help them get up and to move forward. Jesus was not only not a good manager, he was a great leader. He put values, what he believes about somebody first, and that led to the goals to overcome their hurdles that led to the tasks, right? Being a good leader is gaining strength from the Father so that we can live correctly and value-driven lives, helping those overcome their hurdles so that they can fulfill what God needs from them. Now, how do we do that? We've talked about the training up of a child. We talked about leading into it. This brings us into our second thing that kids need to know, that people around us need to know that God is in control, to know that God is in control. The way is the next part of our verse. The way. What is this the way? The way they should go. The way they should go. Well, if we were really defining it, we would probably dig down into it and say it needs to be truthful, it needs to be right, it needs to be good. Well, the way, the way God defined it is in this verse uh, in, in 2 Timothy 3.15. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus. This is the result of what we're talking about, okay? So train up a child in the way he should go is pre. This is post. Since you have trained up a child in the way he should go, right, then he has wisdom to do what? To receive salvation. That's the goal. If you are training a child to be godly, it is to gain salvation. To gain salvation is our goal. And the way we center on that is to know that it is not our plan, but it is God's plan, not ours. It is God's plan, not ours. The word of God is the truth, and truth is like a mirror. Truth is like a mirror. It sees the whole picture. Now, you may, when you walk by a mirror, 
look in it and see what you don't like, right? Or see what's maybe just out of place. You know, you got to brush back over, right? But rarely do we see what other people say about us, what other people see in us. And even rarer do we see what God sees in us. But the truth of that moment is, is it there? Yeah, it is. It hasn't gone anywhere. The mirror hasn't obscured it. But our lens has. Our thoughts, our perceptions have looked in that mirror and said, oh, they don't like me. Why? Because I don't like me. I don't understand what he sees in me. I don't understand what God says about me. We have to understand that the word of God has truth. It both encourages and corrects. The way it does that is it tells us, it shows us what we need to know, right? But it also shows us what God has done for us. That's the encouragement factor. Just like Peter was told, hey, you messed up, bud. But it was also told, I have a plan for you. Both. That's what truth is. Truth is balanced. And it is so good at this that it talks about itself and says it is so sharp. It's like, a, it's like a sword that can divide between bone and marrow. Between bone and marrow. So sharp. It completely divides truth. But it is not a moral guide. It's not an eight ball that we shake after we make our plans. Add a little verse to it. Add a little sprinkle. Make it a little bit better. Right? Make it a little more godly. Right? Well, I, I'm not just a parent. I'm a biblical parent. Right? I'm just going to add a little Jesus to it. Maybe get a plaque. Right? Uh, plaques aren't bad. Plaques aren't bad. Okay. Uh, I mean, Hobby Lobby does a great job. There's plenty of them. Okay? Uh, live, laugh, love. Right? Jesus, go. Um, thank you. Uh, but we need to not just center on what those things are. We need to actually center on what God says about them. What God says about the people we are leading. What does God say about them? I spoke earlier about my wife. Uh, if, if, if I culminated our parenting relationship, she is the calm to my calamity, okay? She, uh, to my exuberance, okay? I am the one that did not do the midnight feedings because, well, frankly, I'm the play one, all right? So, like, we're going to jump off stuff. We're going to have fun, right? We're, we're, we're finding everything that we can get into. That's not bad, all right? But, but when we talk about focus... She's often focused on the next thing coming, and I'm often in the moment. When it comes to parenting, right, when it comes to parenting, if we're talking about a hurdle, I'm probably just going to go until we knock it over, and then I'll handle it, right? Then we'll talk about that moment, okay? My wife is a little bit more like, hey, there's a hurdle coming. Hey, we got to prepare for that hurdle. Hey, that's coming, right? And both are good. Sometimes we need to experience before we find out, right? Right? Sometimes we need to live that way before we discover those things. But one thing my wife has done uh, that, that's amazing focus uh, for her, and she's actually done it uh, when, when we put our child to bed for years. Uh, he is only three and a half, uh, or three and 11 months. Uh, but uh, she has prayed over him. We pray together. I usually pray for what's going on that day. I uh, try to give the example of we can pray now. We can ask God for help, right? We can also thank him for the things we have. And then I say, in Jesus' name, and he says, amen. And then I say, listen to your mom's words. And she says this. I'm going to read it for you. She says this every night. All right? She says, Ethan Bryant, you are loved. You are wanted. You are chosen. You are ours forever. Mommy and daddy love you very much. All day, every day, no matter what. That's not where it stops, though. But who loves you more than mommy and daddy? And he answers, God. She says, that's right. God loves you most of all. 
all day, every day, no matter what. Then she finishes with, God has a really big plan for you. And I cannot wait to see what it is. I am so blessed to have that type of partner next to me. She is, she is picturing what he needs, not for today, but what he needs for the future. I hope that we, that we give it to him enough throughout the rest of the day or throughout the rest of the time. We show him the words and they mean that maybe hopefully when he is older, he can hear that through the noise. He can hear that God loves him no matter what. He can always come back to God. That we love him no matter what. He can always come back home. And that God has a big plan for it, but we don't know what it is. We are here just like him to get to see it, to get to watch it. No one competing in the Olympics will know what happens. They might have a good idea, they might have a good thought, but they don't know. Not until it really happens, not until the race starts, right? does God say about them is what they need to hear over and over again. But he doesn't just say it through what my wife has thought of. In fact, he says it right in the scriptures in Psalms 34:10. He says, even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Then in Matthew 6:26, Jesus said this. He says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Do we tell our kids that they're not just valuable to us? Do we tell our kids that they're valuable to the Father, the one that we're following, right? This love that we see through the scriptures, this love that we hear about is unconditional love. We can know that love and we can share that love to others. It's a picture of God's love for us. But the reason why we can do that is because he first loved us. The scripture says that Romans 5, 8 God demonstrated his love for us by sending Jesus while we were still yet sinners. Make no mistake, love is the only thing that causes us to be rescued. Love is the only thing that gives us a chance to make it out, a chance to be fixed, a chance for redemption. And we did nothing to deserve it, and yet it's available to us for free. The final thing we need to give our kids when running the race of life, we need to teach them the skills of discernment, the skills of discernment. Now, you may be easily right these days in these times, right? Fake news, plenty of things going on, plenty of opinions flying around. But frankly, if you can think about it for a second, any point or any moment in time, any moment in time, we've needed discernment. You needed to have the ability to know what is good and what is right and what is true and what is not and who's lying and who is not right. Whether it just be picking good friends whether that just be listening or not listening to advice, right? Proverbs, this book that we're in, Proverbs is an advice book. It's a wisdom literature. It's the best case scenario of what most do we hear. We've got to focus on things. Are we going to heed that? Listen, you learn two ways. You learn through experience, all right? Or you learn through advice listened to, all right? We actually kind of have an interesting uh, uh, discipline rule in our house, all right? So if natural consequences happen, we don't hack on to it, okay? All right, so if you touch the stove and you get burned, you're probably not going to timeout, right? You got burned, right? right? If you decide to push mom or dad and you go running and you run smack into a wall, hey, hey God handled that one, all right? 
God took care of it. All right, but thanks, bud. Appreciate you, right? Natural consequences. You can learn through experience that sometimes it just doesn't turn out right, right? Or you can learn through advice given, right? Now, as a parent, we always got to be balancing off of that, right? Can they jump off the roof? I don't know how tall your house is, right? All right, is there a trampoline? I don't know how old the trampoline is, right? Let's see what happens, right? And, and you know, you can have disagreements on that, right? But, but experience often teaches sometimes the right thing and sometimes the wrong thing, right? Because sometimes it just works out, and you're like, hey, but I did it before. And you're like, yeah, that, okay, yeah, maybe, right? But <clears throat> the ability to discern First, you need to know, first you need to know what truth is, right? Truth is applied wisdom. To know something is one aspect of it, but to apply it is wisdom. The right time at the right way, that's wisdom. Plenty of people know the pathway. In fact, if I take this hurdle out and I line it up, you know what to do, right? You know what to do. We're trying to get over it, right? We're trying to jump it, but... Do you know how to yet? I don't know. Have you experienced it? Maybe you watched a few YouTube videos. All right. Maybe you get the three steps to jump on a hurdle. All right. But until you're in that moment and you apply it and you try it, you don't know truth. You don't know how wisdom comes about. Right. But you can't make the decision for them. They have to be able to discern what is right and what is true. Luckily for us, we have a great example. We have a great example. And as an and as we turn it back onto this, we go back to this verse real fast of Hebrews 12:2. He is the perfecter of our faith. He ran it perfectly. Okay? But here's how he did it. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. But then his, here's his reward. Is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In the Olympics, right, there are three medals. Right, I was actually having a conversation with some young friends that just came back from a dance competition and I asked them what their highest rank was. And I can't remember the rest of them, but I can remember this one. Double platinum. That sounds awesome, right? I want double platinum, right? I feel like I'm getting sky miles sometimes. But, you know, it is so cool to hear all of those things. But frankly, I don't know how in the world you could look at the throne of God as worth anything compared right, to the rare earth metals and things like that, right? This seems so much higher. Jesus has won the race. Jesus has completed, and Jesus has been rewarded the perfect. So we can understand that we can follow him in those things. We can know the relationship with him. So truth is something, but to apply it, we need help. We need a guide, and Jesus is the perfect guide for that. Not only has he talked about the race and knows what to do, he has ran the race perfectly. Perfectly. There are plenty of goals happening right now in the Olympics. Maybe they're trying to run a good race. Maybe they're trying to run a clean race, right? Maybe they're trying to make, break a world record. Hey, I almost guarantee you no one's trying to have a perfect race. Why? Because it's almost, it's impossible. A perfect race. No one ever could do it better, right? There was no slip up. There was no hesitation somewhere, right? It is simply impossible, except for those that can, right? The one that can. As we work through these times, as we work through these moments, we need to understand uh, that, that, that wisdom applied, uh, or that truth applied is wisdom, but then also the next portion here is we need to live in moments and not minutes. Moments and not minutes. Listen, if you've coached at any length of time for anything, you are helping them develop skills, and it is frustrating. Because sometimes they just don't get it, right? They just don't get it. But you have to be dedicated past 
the minutes. Being a parent, you do not say, all right, I got 57 minutes today. Would you like your three now or like later or like, no, right? It's about being present in the moment, loving them right where they're at, listening to them. It's a relationship that we actually need to invest. We need to be there for them when they need it, right? We need to be looking for moments to teach. We need to be hunting for them. We need to be discovering how to lead others around us, taking opportunities to teach, not just saying, well, these are the four things you need to know. I hope you can apply them later. Good luck, right? No. The way we do that is we repeat our values, right? Remember, God wants you. God needs you. He's got a big plan for you. Today you can do a great job. That may have nothing to do with school day that day. But giving them that will help them apply for the next moment, right? To teach them discernment, to overcome the things that are coming, right? Explaining something is difficult. In my life, I explain a lot of things that make no sense, but I'm building, right? If you've ever tried to explain to a young child that we can't just magically be at the beach, right? We would like to be there. All, everybody in the car would like to be there. But it's still a distance, and it's going to take some time. Might as well watch a movie, right? No movie. Still not at the beach, buddy. You know, like, still going to take... But we all want to arrive. We want to arrive now. Uh, it's not minutes. It's moments. We got to be okay that it takes time. We got to be all in. Your dedication will speak volumes if they know that you are always there. The last port is we have to teach skills that last. Skills that last. It's not just about overcoming the hurdle right now. If that's the task, if it's to overcome the hurdle, the easiest way for me to move my son is to pick him up and put him on the other side. Right? Up, down, up, down. Right? Now, you've had a preschooler, you're going to do this a lot. Uh, we're going to do it over and over and over. I mean, you may have to like switch sides so your back doesn't pull out, right? But it comes with the territory. But that's the task. But what if my goal was not for me to get him over, but what if my goal is for him to get over? In fact, I don't just want him to get over one hurdle because that's not the race, is it, right? It's not like one hurdle, done, right? It's also not just to get over the hurdles. If there was no time limit, you would take the hurdles pretty slowly, wouldn't you, right? You'd be like, okay, we're going to get over this one. Great, now on to the next one. Okay. Walking on, right? No. The object of the race is actually to go rather quickly to see how fast you can do it. Now, that's not life. We're not trying to speed through it, but we are trying to handle the hurdles efficiently. We're trying to overcome them quickly. And more importantly, we're trying not to be stopped by them. We're trying to create skill that doesn't halt us in our tracks. If you're a really good coach, you don't just leave them there. Well, you can't go over the hurdle, buddy. Good luck next time. I'm out. Right? No, you stick with them. You help them with those skills. You build skills that actually last, that they can then get over the hurdles themselves. And they're ready for the next one. And the next one after that. And the next one after that. So they can run the race set before them. Well. Not just run it. Run it. Well, overcoming the hurdles, maybe hurdles that you struggled with, maybe hurdles that your parents struggled with. One of the biggest pieces of this whole idea between task and value is we often parent the way we were parented, right? 
It's either we parent exactly the way we were parented, or you might be saying, no, Nate, you parent the opposite way you were parented, right? Right? One of the key factors is I, plenty of people say, I only heard I love you a few times, right? And the positive to that is they go, I'm going to tell my kids every moment of every day I love them, right? That's such a great response to that, right? We've corrected that. Well, if you kind of apply it to a bigger scope, just because you were raised like that or you are doing the opposite of the way you were raised, neither one is inherently correct. We need to be focused on what is correct. That means we need to look to God. We need to build skills so that they can come to the next hurdle and the next hurdle to overcome them so that they have value and they understand why they're running a race. If you ran and you knocked over the first hurdle and you're like, that hurt, you might just walk away. That was a lot of work. That was difficult. I couldn't do it. That's not the way life goes, right? We need to help them understand that running the race is what we have been given, that there is a reward at the end. That there is well done, my good and faithful servant. Right? We need to fix those things. We need to help them develop the rhythm. If you watch them actually run hurdles, there's this amazing pace that happens, right? Amazing pace. Now, this thing's only at 33 inches, okay? An Olympic hurdle is at 42. All right? Now, I personally have chosen to use discernment and not compete in the hurdles. All right? And not develop those skills, giving space for other people to develop those things, right? Let, let somebody else out there do it. When it comes to parenting, it's not a choice I have. When it comes to leading others, that's not a thing that I get to do. That's not a discernment. We are called to lead those around us, no matter what position you're in, no matter if you have kids in your house or they're out. I don't care how old they are. I don't care who the person around you. We're called to lead well. And that comes from a relationship Don't look to others to give you security and significance. Look to the Father. Look to the one that created. King Solomon was inspired by God to say it like this. And we're going to read this verse together, but I want you to hear it like this. I want you to understand it like this, uh, and it's found in Proverbs 4, 10, 13. I want you not only to read it like you are the child and God is talking to you, but also read it like you are the one giving instructions. I hope that this becomes a promise that you give, maybe not orally, but you give to the children or the people you're leading. My child, listen to me and do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in straight paths. When you walk, you will not be held back. When you run, you won't stumble. Take hold of my instructions. Don't let them go. Guard them, for they are the key to life. If you would like to have the keys to life, not a successful life, a good life, a godly life, it's about taking the truth of God's word and applying it to your daily life. Seeing yourself as a child will help you lead others around you. But when you put them as what you need, you missed out. You missed out on the amazingness, the leadership of Christ. As we close, I want you to be committed to a few next steps, and we're going to read them together, right? We should commit to seeing every day as a new day to grow closer to God. Those are the relationships in our lives. He is not just testing us, but he is refining that relationship, right? What is this moment trying to teach me? And if 
you've had a child, he's teaching you a lot, right? We should commit to seeing everyone around us as God sees them, including the children. So how is that? Made for a purpose, on purpose, but not my purpose. And finally, we should commit to walking with Jesus as a child of God and living that relation, or living out of that relationship to others. As we close today, I hope that you hear that you you can follow instruction. I hope that you hear that God is not done with you yet, that He loves you all day, every day, no matter what, and that when we learn truth, we see what we need to grow in. Absolutely. We also see what God has done for us, and we can live happily and healthy in that. I hope to encourage our parents today and encourage leaders that choose to do that. I hope you take that banner up to lead like never before, to lead those around you to Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the moments that we have had together. I pray that these parents, I pray that the people that are watching, I pray that we live for you. That we focus not on the circumstances, on the hurdles, on the struggles, but we put our eyes on you, the perfecter of our faith, that we follow you, a relationship with you as the pivotal port that we can pass on to our children, that they can see our love for you first and foremost, and that from that they can see the unconditional love. I pray for each and every person in here as we continue to lead. I pray that they see as today a great day to start leading the right way. In your precious name I pray today.